Okay, thanks for listening to NYC. This is, uh, as we lead up to Thanksgiving, what another crazy weekend of college football where some teams uh, excelled and getting ready for the late push and other teams. Uh, looks like their Thanksgiving is already stuffed. Anyway, I've got my coaches with me, Dory Bennett, Scott Ligo. Uh, Dory, how are you? Oh, we're, we're having a great day today. This is a wonderful uh, after. I'm still relishing in the huge Husky win from last night. So we're good. We are in, in great form today. Scott, buddy, how, how are you this week? And uh, are you... Uh, you know, just uh, reveling in another win for uh, UW as they start off their late season. It's crazy to think that they've played two games and we're at week 12. We're pretty much wrapping up week 12 and we're two games into the Washington's uh, season. Uh, Scott, how are you? Yeah, uh, you know, uh, my day was sort of like 2020. It, uh, you know, got to watch the afternoon game with Penn State unfortunately going 0-5 so that was depressing and then I uh, get to watch at 5 o'clock the Huskies put a real thrashing on and uh, surprised to be honest with you it's such a quick uh, you know uh, lead and, and uh, domination of uh, the Wildcats after I thought the Wildcats had played USC last week so good so uh, it was kind of a bittersweet day uh, and more the uh, bitter for me personally but uh, good, good win for the dogs and uh, we'll see what happens this week with an Apple Cup. Well, at least there's one consistency. It's another week that we've had 15 games either canceled or postponed. And eight of those 15 were canceled. So at least we're finally having some consistency. And that consistency is we once again have craziness in college football. Another 15 games, right? And for people that don't know how to do math, that's 30 teams did not play this week. It's absolutely unbelievable but we just kind of have blinders on and we just kind of forge ahead because we have to have our college football absolutely i couldn't agree with you more couldn't agree with you more okay dory listen the the big game the big game yesterday i i know the big game for you was you dub all right so so the other big game uh yesterday was uh the two top teams uh getting at it in number nine indiana versus uh number three ohio state as ohio state wins uh 42 uh 35 and really a, a tale of two halves uh what was your impression and then uh scott please chime in what was the impression of of that uh, first half uh, between these two teams? Well, really, it was a game of two halves. I mean, Indiana, they got in the hole so quick with turnovers. And then that just gave Ohio State so much momentum to go ahead and get the scores going. So I was really super surprised that Indiana didn't start fast like they have in their other games. I'm guessing at halftime, Coach just said, guys, go play Hoosier football in the second half and let's focus on getting a first down and playing turnover free football. And we've got this because I think that uh, the offense just put the defense in a tough mind in the first half. Yeah, I couldn't agree more, Dory. Uh, I felt like it was uh, like the blue bloods were in the first half. You just thought Ohio state was just that much better athletically gifted physically you know obviously having fields who didn't end up having a very good day as, it, as at the end of the day and then um, I felt like it was like the blue collar second half where Indiana made some adjustments they got after Ohio State uh, with the pass rush and then they um, you know just went back to doing blue collar work which was really surprising as how how they just went after they attacked them uh, through the passing game and uh, beat up uh, Ohio State's pass defense uh, which is interesting because coach Combs is a, is a DB kind of coach and you would think they would be a little bit better that way but uh you know it's all tied in if you don't have chase young chasing after everybody in the front then mm. uh you know it puts a little more time to your back to the back end having to be better but uh uh i you know gotta give a lot of credit to indiana and their kids and uh, how well they played and and uh, they took them to the very end at, at, in in the big in the you know in at ohio state so that's an impressive uh impressive game it was a great game, and uh, the first half, I was just really frustrated because I wanted to see, you know, I wanted the upset, right? Uh, let's not beat around the bush. Uh, I definitely wanted to see Indiana beat Ohio State and really kind of just uh, just 
put the landscape of the college playoffs, uh, you know, in just, you know, peril and have all of these, um, you know, decision makers saying, oh, my God, oh, my God, what are we going to do? We have to get Ohio State in. So I wanted to see just that freak out. But there were so many opportunities in that first half. I mean, there was drop passes for first downs from Indiana. You know, they, they, were, they created a, they had two interceptions on fields and put them in situations and they just could not capitalize. They only scored the seven points in the second quarter. And then Ohio State, the last eight minutes, eight and change roughly uh, of that second quarter, they go there and uh, they put up 21 points. It was 7-7 seven, seven at one point and then run, go 21 straight points. And I was just like, oh boy, you know, kind of here we go. They had that. They had the opportunity. Uh, Ohio State's used to being in these big games and it just seemed like Dory had talked about them starting out slow. It just seemed that this was a game that Indiana has just not been a part of and, um, and just wasn't ready to to really maximize and play at their potential um so i was definitely disappointed about that uh that first half well and what happens here is that then really ohio state and indiana are in the same division in the big 10 they're in the legends division and they basically they they are the two best teams which normally happens when the big 10 went to these two different divisions uh they and how they created it was an interesting story, but and I, I don't need to go into that. But uh, putting their, they have the strongest teams really in the legends division, and then uh, so now we have the two best teams in the Big Ten have already played, and they don't get a chance to play again in the in the Big Ten championship. So I think that's unfortunate. Yeah, I think that in, unfortunately, and we'll talk a little later about it too. Is um, you know, to, which we'll we'll will pound on a little bit. Um, you know, expanding the playoffs. It would have been nice this year to be a team like Indiana could get in and and uh, you know and sneak in and end up playing Ohio State again and maybe have a different game plan and getting off to a better, quicker start. And no, now that they know they can play with those guys, so it's a frustration. There's no doubt about it. Uh, Coach Allen and his staff, like I said, did a great job, and uh, hats off to them. Scott, I mean, were you surprised the way Fields played? I mean, I thought Fields was going to kind of go out there and do his thing, and he just, he just really seemed off. And and I got to give kudos to uh, to the coaching staff uh, for Ohio State where they said, okay, Fields is not looking good. Um, we're going to pound the ball, and they had fifty carries for three hundred and seven yards and three touchdowns. And the co- coaching staff just kind of realized that and just said, we're going to tackle him on the ground. What, what were your thoughts on the way uh, Fields played? Uh, I, I agree a thousand percent with it. It's, it's, it's shocking when you really think about Michael Penix's uh, day, you know, the quarterback from IU. And I know we're talking about fields, but he was 27 of 51 for 491 yards and five touchdowns. You would have probably thought that was going to be the flip side of it. And uh, fields ended up with, I believe, three interceptions. And, you know, I mean, just not you know, the day you would have thought the two guys would have had. Um, but, uh, you know, it, uh, you know, attest to uh, Ohio State and changing, uh, you know, being, being good coaches that they are. Like you said, they just realized that, you know, Fields wasn't having the day he was supposed to have and, uh, you know, switched it over to their running backs and uh, controlled the game that way. But, uh, yeah, he, it, was, he didn't, it wasn't a pretty win for, for uh, Ohio State, that's for sure. Which made them look beautiful. I mean, they were really beautiful. And Indiana's comeback in the second half absolutely made me feel like they were going to come back and, and win that game. They really, I really did. I really thought they were going to come back and win it. And uh, unfortunately, they didn't. But it, it just, I don't know. It was definitely the, one of the better games yesterday. And uh, although there were a couple that went into overtime, so I'm sure we'll talk about those as well. Um, Penix Jr., I mean, it really, I'm, I'm, for lack of better words, it really sucks that he has the one interception, right? With the five touchdowns, the one interception, that one interception came back, um, you know, for a touchdown. And, and it's just, yeah. it's just really, really unfortunate that that happened. Um, it, it's, I'm just I'm just frustrated. I thought Indiana outplayed them. Uh, I thought that they had an opportunity to beat them. Uh, Coach uh, Tom Allen, 
every time they they showed him, he was just like, "We're okay, this is fine," you know, just rah rah, yeah. just pumping his guys up and doing. I saw some of that with Greg Schiano and Rutgers uh, last night when they played Michigan. You know, you know, uh, quarterback makes a mistake, uh, bad penalty, pulls him over, gives him a little talk, a little pat on the butt and send us back out there and just, you know, love to see as, right. as you guys, whether it's your, your coaching or coming from a family of coaching or just being on the sidelines, I, I, there, there has to be something that you love when the coaches are doing what we think they should be doing. And that's just coaching up your kids the entire time, uh, even through adversity. And it was just something that I absolutely loved. Well, it looks great, and it sounds great, and yes. I mean, a- after after those games, if you are not really – if you if you don't have a heart, then it didn't impact you. But if you have a little bit of a heartbeat, I, people would line up to play for either of those coaches, and both of them, both Greg Ciano and, and Tom Allen, have recruited the heck out of players – that you on something that you can't see, and that is the size of their heart and their desire to get better every day and be successful and be a part of the team. Those things don't show up on the stat ledger ever, but they do show up in the personal relationships that you have. And both of those coaches are showing that it makes a difference. Yeah, I, I I second that, Dory. I think that you know Will said this a couple weeks ago. His hashtag coaching matters, and in both of those cases, I thought both both uh, staffs and, and the head coaches really ex, uh, ex, uh, exhumed or showed that that character of being a good coach. Um, like uh, I was noticing the exact same thing, Will, last night with Shiano. Um, you know, he had his DB was on, uh, you know, for having, I think, by body language and attitude. And he was doing the same thing with his quarterback, like, you know, pumping him up. And then, you know, he's patting his, co- his uh, head of the uh, kicker when he missed the field goal to win the game. You know, I just think that's great coaching. And, um, you know, what Tom Allen has done at Indiana has been the same thing. And, and it's, and it's for, for me to show off for examples for young coaches, that's what you want to be. That's how, that's what coaching is. It's on and off the field. It's the relationships, the things that you build, uh, the 20 years down from here, when you get a, that letter in the, in the, in the, in the mail or uh, invitation to a wedding, when, uh, you know, you know, your effect to uh, helping those kids. And, uh, so I, I, hats off to both staffs and hats off to both head coaches. They did a great job. Uh, they did. And uh, after the game, uh, Tom Allen uh, spoke to his team in the locker room. And um, let's take a quick listen. I want you to listen to me carefully. Eyes on me. We ain't feeling sorry for ourselves. No, sir. We didn't play our best football. You know it and I know it. But you didn't quit. You didn't quit. You fought them. You got character. You got something to you. There's a lot of football to be played. Love football to play. You understand me? Yes, sir. We ain't come here to be close. And I'm ticked off by the result. But I'm proud of you guys. Because you fought. And you fought. And you fought. You stay together. You understand me? Yes, sir. You stay together. This team is special. There's special things ahead of you. You understand me? Yes, sir. Special things ahead of you. That's the truth. So you stay together. I love this football team, man. You got no idea. That was Tom Allen after a tough loss for Indiana, uh, courtesy of uh, University of Indiana. As uh, we heard his uh, locker room post-game speech, uh, Scott, uh, th- thoughts on uh, Coach Allen? Uh, just you know, again, uh, respect to him and, and what he's done, and. Uh, uh, I posted something on Twitter yesterday that uh, I think that all parents would love to have their, their kids coached by him and all kids want to be coached by a coach like him. And for any young coaches, that's the way to coach people. You, get, you know, you, you, the W's are easy. It's the, it's when you lose and how you handle it and the adversity and what you're building. And, uh, uh, you know, they, they, they've got a lot to play for. And, uh, you know, I think, think that the job that they've done and uh, he's done tremendous work. So hats off to him and, you know, and uh, just, just the message that he sent. And I was really happy that the University of Indiana actually captured that because I think that's an important message for a lot of people. Oh, absolutely. And, and really, Indiana, their season's not over. 
yes, it, there was a huge buildup to playing Ohio State. But their season is not over. Coach Allen said that to the players. We still have a lot of football to play. And he's right. We don't know what's going to happen in this the rest of the season. But if Indiana continues to win and, and continues to show that they deserve to be a playoff team, what's to say we couldn't get two teams from the Big Ten? Everybody always thinks it has to come from this SEC or this year the ACC with Notre Dame playing in there. But remember, Notre Dame and Clemson are going to play each other again. So Indiana, I do not believe Indiana's season is over, and I don't think they believe their season is over. They still have a lot to play for. Two teams that um, are going to most likely uh, meet Ohio State because it's pretty much a done deal. They they met up with opportunity, and uh, that was number ten Wisconsin uh, versus number nineteen uh, Northwestern in a low scoring affair as Northwestern beat them seventeen uh, to seven. Um, Scott, Northwestern's for real. Their defense is one of the top defenses in the country, and I know this is a weird uh, year uh, or season to talk about uh, stats because you know everybody's starting to stop at different times. But Northwestern has shown that they have a quality defense and that they can play against anyone. Uh, what were your thoughts on them beating uh, number ten Wisconsin and putting them in a position to uh, win the Big Ten? Well, I, I just think that's again a, a lot of hats off to Coach, you know, Fitzpatrick, uh, uh, you know, and how he does things, and he's uh, just a quality guy, and he's always built it on the same thing. Uh, you know, you build with a good defense, as him being a great linebacker when he played for Northwestern himself. And, um, you know, they're, they're just built that way. They just do a nice job. They're not, you know, they, they can't chase. They, they're, you know, academically, they're only going to get who they can get. Uh, so they just do a nice job what they do. And, uh, you know, I, I, you know, I was a little nervous for them. I, I did think that Wisconsin's ground and pound game would get them and the play action stuff with, uh, their, their great quarterback Mertz. He didn't have a very good game. And then, uh, uh you know, uh, as, uh, uh, Reese Davis said they call them the Reese Davises this week. That what they look like all the same look, uh, kids. They all look the same. That was terrible. The Davis, that yeah, was, the Reese that's Davis. just terrible. <laughs> yeah. Explain, Reese, explain real quick, and then uh, Dory chime in. Explain that scenario why they were called the Reese Davises. Well, Joey Galloway said that they all they they look like Reese Davis. They're all just uh, non-athletic or athletic, but just do their just do their jobs. And, uh, and then, you know, that's kind of a little uh, sh- a shake on them, but it's also, uh, uh, also, you know, they, they took it to uh, heart themselves and they, you know, went out and proved themselves. They just do a great job. They're just, uh, you know, keep low turnovers, keep a good, you know, team atmosphere and things that they do and efficient. And when they had to throw, they threw, they, they threw a great pass on the sideline and the end zone and, uh, just did what they had to do. And, uh, you know, again, maybe the last, maybe the lack of games for Wisconsin maybe hurt them in the end, but the bottom line is that uh, Northwestern did the job that they needed to do. Well, absolutely. And here, here's the other part. It, it was an extremely low scoring game. Wisconsin scored seven points and that touchdown was in the first quarter. After that, Northwestern pretty much shut them down, but Wisconsin was off. They, their, their running game was off because Northwestern shut it down and forced, absolutely forced Wisconsin to go to the passing game. And that is not Wisconsin's strength. So Northwestern came in with a great defensive game plan, shut down their running game, and forced those big offensive linemen to be in pass protection more often than not. And it, it, it really was a surprise. I was highly surprised. And there were two quick turnovers in the beginning of the game, and that's how Northwestern got one of their touchdowns, was off the turnover. It, it was, uh, God, I want to say there was a blocked punch. That, that's been kind of going around. But I was disappointed for Wisconsin. thought they were a stronger, better team and, and more balanced. But Northwestern took it to them. And, and, and in all honesty, Wisconsin defense did a solid job because the the Northwestern offense only scored 10 points. Well, so Wisconsin's defense only gave up coming into the game or or something like 30 points. I mean, uh, to, you know, yeah. just to kind of piggyback on what you're saying that, you know, well, Wisconsin once again showed up on the defense side of the ball, but Northwestern yeah. uh did did what they had to do and they had a great game plan. Well, Northwestern 
had to punt nine times. Nine times were forced to punt. So that shows you what which, what Wisconsin's defense did. It was just an absolute uh, non non sequitur. No, they did not show up on offense. And just and to their and to their credit, I mean Ferguson got hurt early, and he's been playing injured. He's there. He's the guy that he looks like a tight end, but also looks like a receiver. So Ferguson was was hurt, and then he played hurt, and then pretty soon they just couldn't keep uh, depending on him. So there you go. Northwestern now is in the front seat for the Big Ten championship against what looks like Ohio State. Yeah, it should be uh, it should be interesting. Obviously, um, I'm going to be pulling for uh, the Reese Davises uh, in that matchup, and hopefully, uh, Reese Davis will have a uh, fantastic end of the season and stay the course. As uh, Northwestern, their last uh, title was in uh, 2000. By the way, their first was in 1903. Um, and Ohio State, as, as we know, has been dominating that conference, um, especially the last 20 years, as they've, as they've won uh, 10 of the last 20. And they have um, the most wins in college football um, since 1970. Uh, they are up to about 79% of their wins. So Ohio State has been dominating for quite a while. So it'd be great to see um, a new kid on the block. I'm no, I'm not going to start mm-hmm. singing any other songs, but um, <laughs> Scott, before we look at the top ten teams that came out, the AP um, poll came out. Um, I apologize, but we have to bring it up because even though they're losing, it is a story because of the fact that they're losing. Right? We don't. We're not used to seeing Penn State. Uh, be so down and and they've had some bad years. They've definitely had some bad years, but unfortunately in this 2020 season with injuries and opt outs and everything else that's happened, Penn state now at zero and five losing to Iowa 41, 21. Um, the bullseye is on the team and the coaches. Uh, what were your thoughts um, with that game? Well, unfortunately, there's been a formula for them all year, and and the formula didn't change. And so, um, when you're down at halftime uh, by you know significant amount, uh, digging yourself out of a hole, it's just really tough. Um, you know, they made the quarterback change from last week from uh, Clifford to Levis, and then they went from Levis to Clifford in the middle of the game, and it looked like Clifford might be doing some good things. Got him back down to 31-21. And then, in, and of course, then threw another pick for a touchdown. And uh, as they said, the route was definitely on after that. And uh, but it's just, you know, bottom line is there's no really no excuses. Uh, the defense is not what Penn State standard defense that they the standard that they've always set for themselves. Uh, so that's um, yeah, frustrating in itself. Um, offensively, they just don't know what they have. And, you know, I, I think that there's the formula that we all know that, you know, to winning a national championship, you have to have. And one of them is a dynamic quarterback, and they just don't have it. And uh, it's just it's, it's very apparent, and they don't have dynamic people on the outside. Um, Pat Firemuth, their tight end, is, you know, probably done for the year. Um, so their kid that they, they call the mini Gronk. Yeah, they say uh, he's they done. Lost another, yeah, lost another, you know, you know, talent on the field for him. So, you know, and when you have that formula, unfortunately, then, you know, I, I, you know, luckily for Michigan State, for Michigan's sake, they got themselves out of a, a barn burner last night and got a win. But I was just going to be just scratching my head thinking that Penn State and Michigan could have faced each other both 0 and 5. And, you know, who would ever thought that would ever happen when, for the college football gods. So uh, it's unfortunately it's a it's a, the same record and it's the same formula uh, and modus operandi and uh I, uh, you know, unless there's some miracle, some bus of some kids that have come in out of nowhere and start helping, I, I, I feel very frustrated for them. I do think there's some, you know, Michigan's a winnable game, but, uh, you know, they've got, uh, you know, Rutgers and they, who we know saw pull, pushed, uh, you know, Michigan and put, pushed everybody else to the rank. And then they've got Michigan State for the last game. So um, maybe get, a, you know, two wins, one win. And uh, I mean, I'm not sure what they're going to get, but boy, it's, it's been a frustration year, that's for sure. Dory, the, well, the saying is, just, oh, I'm yeah. sorry, go ahead. Go ahead, Dory, respond. Well, all, all I was just going to say is that uh, I, we all feel bad for Penn State. I mean, I'm just going to, let, let, let's make it, per, you know, we all feel bad for Penn State. 
Um, first of all, it looks like they just, like there are missing pieces and, and, and it might not just be missing pieces for what we see on the field. It just feels, I feel so bad for them. I feel so bad for them. It's almost like they can't stop the bleeding. Like they just can't. And, and hopefully as we know, more lessons come from losses than wins. I think they they and, and character is built, but I think they have plenty of character. It, it, it's time to win. It's time to win, and it's and it's time for them to be the change that they wanted to see, right? And wanted to be. So, but I'm I'm hoping that they get a win. It's awful to go uh, over. We we did it for the Huskies did it one year. It was awful. So we don't want that for anybody. Yeah. Scott, you know, you mentioned it with Will and Sean. Um, unfortunately, when you're playing two quarterbacks, it means that you don't have one. And um, and they're struggling at the quarterback position and their defense and the turnovers. And you mentioned it when you first started speaking about this. It is the same story. And it's literally every week, same story. Quarterback play, defense, turnovers. Um, is, is there something that you see? As a fan, right? We're not in the locker room. We're not there. But this is something that you see and you sit there and you're watching and saying, you know, if if they do X, Y, and Z, maybe they can stop the bleeding, right? As, as you know, uh, as Dory just mentioned, right? It, you know, it seems like they can't stop, you know, the tumbling actions. Like when bad things happen, they just continue to happen. They can't stop it from happening. Anything you see as a fan just watching that, you say, hey, may, maybe this would help. Well, I, I just, I, I just think going back to what I said originally, the formula. I mean, you, you just being down at halftime every single game, and digging yourself a hole is just, it's just insurmountable. It's just it, that's, that's where it really starts from. I mean, they've got to get off to a faster start, get up, you know, fourteen, twenty-one points. Uh, you know, maybe get in, you know, you know, play the exchange game with points from that point and, and win a game. But uh, you know, it's just when you have the same modus operandi, that's just, just the bottom line. And I, I just think kind of what Dory's saying. I think a little bit it's the same thing. I think psychologically, I think some teams, unfortunately, when you get into the situation, um, you kind of see the same story happening again. You're like, here we go again, and it's that kind of thing that I feel like that's going on with them. And I, um, you know, like I said, boy, I, I mean, they they hit two quick touch. I mean, I think Sean Clifford was two for two for two touchdowns, and <laughs> you know, maybe you thought for some miracle ironic reason that he was going to make this great comeback and uh, make something happen. And uh, then he throws the pick to the defensive end and that was it. It was over. And, uh, you know, I just think that it's a psyche and it's unfortunate. Um, You know, it's uh, 2020 and uh, it's a weird year. And, uh, you know, I just, it's from a fan standpoint, it it just bottom line is they just don't have any dynamic players right now. I think they miss Hamler a lot. I think, uh, even uh, with Firemuth going out, I don't think he was having one of his better years. Um, so I just think that they have no dynamic guy around there really, really hurts them at the bottom line. Also, uh, I mean, the last two running backs that they've had, they are in the NFL. I mean, extremely talented at Penn State, um, has been developing these running backs uh, along with other players. But I mean, when your two quarterbacks are your leading rushers on your team, and as a team, 35 carries, 62 yards, I mean, it it is too much pressure when, when you're struggling at the quarterback position that you have no run game either. So oh, absolutely. It, it, it's just, go ahead. I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, you're absolutely right. And and you lost your first two starters. You know, Journey Brown probably was close to a 1,000-yard rusher last year, probably would have gone over 1,000 yards this year, probably headed to the NFL. Uh, unfortunately had a you know heart issue that's come up and has to you know call his career and yeah. then they the same same week against indiana they their start other second back uh, noah kane breaks his foot and so you know you just take those two out now you're under third string which you know bottom line i don't care who what the name is third string is third string for a reason and you're with two 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 freshmen behind them and it's just you just don't have those things that you need to, to be successful and uh it's frustrating but you know bottom line everybody's gone through 2020 there's no excuses uh, everybody's had the same circumstances. Everybody's been dealing with the same stuff. Um, and, uh, you know, they, they will either learn from it, get better, or, you know, unfortunately, you know, in this industry, changes get made. So hopefully they can get this thing figured out as soon as they can. This is the first time in school's history that, um, 
they're going to be uh, guaranteed to lose the season since 2004. That ends the 15 consecutive winning season. It was the nation's fourth longest current streak. So that's going to come to an end, which is, once again, it's the way we started out talking about Penn State. It's so surprising to see them uh, losing um, in this fashion. But obviously, we, we understand and know why, but still doesn't change it. Um, kudos to Kirk uh, Ferentz, uh, the head coach for Iowa. He has, now has 164 career wins, but got his 100th win in Big Ten history. He's now uh, the fourth coach with 100 conference wins. Um, anybody want to take a guess? Who has the most wins in Big Ten history? I'll let ladies go first. Uh, oh, well... Um, I'm, I'm going to say that it's, it's, if it's Urban Meyer, I, I will, I, I will hurt somebody. I would not, okay, I would so. not do that to you. <laughs> Listen, okay, so it, it, I think it's either Bo <laughs> or, or Woody Hayes. <laughs> oh my, we found a way to get Urban Meyer in the show. Life is complete. And that was, that was my. Oh, well, Sometimes I don't know that. Sometimes I'm like, is he throwing me? Is he throwing that to me? Yeah, yeah. I, I, so I'm, I'm, I'm known for a little shade. Dude, I'm, I'm sorry. Like, you are so known for a little shade. Okay, so Dory, Dory's traumatized. <laughs> Go ahead, Scott. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Unfortunately, I, I did. Oh, maybe I did. it's Petito. I mean, maybe it's. I'm sorry. I just interrupted. So, <laughs> no. I just have a thought. I, I saw I saw the list. Um, uh, it's Woody Hayes, Beauchamp, Buckler, and, and which was a kind of surprise to me. Uh, along uh, Coach Stag, Alamo Stag was the third, and now of course Kirk Ferentz is the fourth. So, pretty impressive group to be, be to be with. So that's for that's for sure. Uh, okay, life is complete. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I I got I got I got to find a way to get Urban Myers in next week. It's just uh, my goal here. <laughs> Let's see. We'll we'll do sound bites of Urban Meyer talking about how you doing it wrong and he does it right and he's better than everybody else. So that would oh, be my sound bite. No. Oh, that would be a good one. Okay. Uh, all right. Listen, the top ten uh, AP top ten came out uh, along with the coaches poll, we'll, but we'll stick with the top ten. Um, Alabama at seven and zero. They're number one. Notre Dame at eight and zero. They will. They had the bye week. They will play again. Ohio State at number three with just four wins, and one of them barely they won. So I'm I'm not sure how I feel about that, and I want to talk to you guys about that. Clemson, which has been off since last May, uh, seven and one at number four. Uh, Florida, and to round out the top ten, Florida, Texas A and M, Cincinnati, which had a big win against UCF in a, in a good game. Uh, BYU, which is uh, Dory's uh, favorite team, uh, besides uh, talking about Urban Myers, and then Miami and Georgia, which Georgia looked really good yesterday with the USC transfer uh, JT Daniels uh, Scott. Um, do you have a problem with Ohio State four and zero being uh, number three? Well, I, I do. I, I think that there should be a, a higher standard than just you know the 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 proverbial you know, eye test. Um, so you know, I would like to say I think most teams have to have six wins to be able to be considered. Uh, you know, in, in the playoff system. Unfortunately, uh, with twenty twenty, I don't know if that's going to be the standard we're going to do. Uh, as we both know, you and I both talked privately about, um, you know, having a playoff with more expansive of more than four teams would be even better. And this would be a great year to do it. Um, but having said that, um, you know, the bottom line is, you know, the, the, without sounding like I'm the, you know, the uh, JFK conspiracy, you know, uh, most of the college football playoff system, the way it works, they'd like to get a team from mainly from each conference if they can have that kind of, you know, parody around showing it off. Um, maybe ACC gets two this year with Notre Dame, which being an independent though, jumping in the league this year will make them the, the second ACC team. But, um, you know, I, I obviously wasn't an impressive win yesterday, win yesterday. Um, you know, they'll have four more, you know, chances here in the next couple of weeks to get to eight and Oh, and maybe nine and oh after they play their playoff game. Um, so at that point they'll hit my standard, but, uh, you know, right now, um, uh, you know, Texas A&M hasn't played a lot either. So, I mean, you know, teams that are right behind them chomping at the bit that, you know, should be in there. Uh, 
yeah, they, you know, uh, maybe maybe they should be considered a little bit more ahead of them right now just because they've had more games. But uh, the way the system works, I think it's just unfortunate, you know, and, you know, Tuesday we both know that the, the, the system will come out with their top four anyways. So we'll, you know, find out exactly how this thing pans out. But, uh, you know, right now I'd like to see a, a higher standard, but that's not for me, for me to say because 2020 has been such a weird year anyways. So Scott, who would you think should be in that position instead of Ohio State? I'm just wondering. I, I, I that I wouldn't, you know, Dory. I, I, I couldn't say who that could be. I just, that, oh, okay. you know, I, I'm just saying at this. The, I guess I could answer that question if I knew there was a standard that I would say the fifth team should be yeah. the one moved up to the fourth spot. But I just think it's such just a weird year, you know. I mean, again, it's kind of the eye test more than it is. Yeah you know, who, who, who really is the best teams. Um, you know, we both know, I mean, we, you, us three talking, we would love to see Indiana somehow get back sneaking this thing. But, you know, if you talk to the pundits and you watch the enough, the game days and stuff, everybody says that Notre Dame and uh, Clemson split and unless Clemson wins 90,000 to nothing, uh, Notre Dame is probably going to get in as the fourth team and it's going to be Ohio state Clemson and Notre Dame and, you know, uh, the, the, those four in Ohio State and, um, you know, and kind of everybody else is in the, in the back burner. And, and, and a Cincinnati is not even being talked about, even though you think a 2020 year uh, outside of the Power Five team could get in. But uh, it's I, I, again, I don't know who that team is, but I just think that the way the, the way that works, I just I think it's all about eye test. And that's that's how a lot of the standards are set. Well, unless I, I don't want to mislead anybody out there that's listening. Trust me, I am not an Ohio State supporter, nor do I believe that they should be in the top in in, in the top five yet. Because as Scott said, they haven't they haven't even played enough games to be bowl eligible. Yeah. Let alone be listed in the t- in in the top ten, and and they're actually you know in the top four right now. I guess with Florida, and again, I'm not a huge Florida fan, but they have a quarterback that is lighting it up. Kyle Trask is lighting it up. So I, Florida might start uh, ending up in there, but oh no, they won't because they're not going to play in the ACC championship. I just talked myself right up. And then Cincinnati, definitely, they're super strong. They've played a stronger opponent every week than BYU. <laughs> BYU does not belong. And they're running it up on everybody. They played North Alabama yesterday. Like, really? Play somebody before you decide you need to be out there. Okay? Yeah, I think, so, I think anyway, they're just going to scratch off the North and then it would just say Alabama and it'll look more impressive. So they, they might have a plan, you know, so, you know, so just, just to let you know, um, Scott, Scott, um, there was a report today that, um, we're not going to see a 18 playoff. And I just, for the life of me, I don't understand why, why wouldn't you try something different? Why wouldn't you, uh, do something that the fans want? Um, I've talked about it before. I am a fan of college football until the playoffs start because it is the same damn teams every stinking year. I'm tired of seeing Alabama. I don't want to see Clemson. I don't want to see Ohio State or whoever you plug in for that fourth team. Last year, I rooted for LSU because it was somebody different. I'm sick of the damn playoffs with the same teams, and I know that they they, they recruit and they get these players and everything else. I know the sponsors and the Doritos and the Tostitos and the Meineke Bowl and whatever (laughs) shitty bowl that's out there want these teams there because they know they're going to have eyes on them. But as a fan, I would like to see a Cincinnati. Give me a Florida. Give me a Texas A&M. You know, if if a Miami gets in there, if a Georgia gets in there. Oregon, ranked number 11. They played three games. How you rank number eleven? I mean, enough of this craziness. This is it's just absolutely craziness. It's you know one of the coaches poll on the coaches poll. One of the coaches voted for Ohio State to be number one. Are you smoking crack? No, it was probably. Who do you think it was that voted them to be number one? It's probably that idiot we're listening to yesterday and during the game. All right. No, dude, he doesn't. He doesn't. <laughs> no, it, it was probably his own. It was probably Ryan. It was probably the coach. Scott, 
why can't we why can't we have a playoff system why why are we being so stubborn why does college football take forever to adapt we were talking about a playoff system for i i maybe 20 years before they finally said okay we'll do four teams Uh, you know like why is this this way Can, can you explain can you can you try to make sense of it and then dory chime in well, I, I just think, unfortunately, it's it's the the you know old hats thinking the way they have to. I mean, it's just, it, this is the way we've done it always, and that's the way we'll continue to do it. And like you said, we dragged them to four teams, and now they think that they've they, they've quote unquote hit the checkbox on the playoffs, and nobody likes it. Everybody thinks it's a terrible system. Even the even even if you just use the system that I just said, that everybody wants one team from the parity from every league. Um, one of the power five leagues is going to be left out every year because there's only four teams that make the playoffs. So, you know, is, is the Pac-12 because we're on the far left and we don't ever play. We play at night and, or, you know, whenever weird days we play, we'll never get in. I mean, that's kind of the mentality that it's gone into. So I, again, going back to what you said I, I, and, and, and what I, I think Dory's on to something. I mean, the, the bowl games themselves aren't exactly guaranteed to happen this year. I mean, I don't know if anybody's going to want to travel. I mean, mm. as a as, as a student athlete, I don't know if I'd be too excited about going into town, not being able to go to Disneyland, not get to go to Orlando World, not to get to go to the nice restaurants, go do the fun things because you're not be able to do it because un- unfortunately there's no you know uh, solution to to the pandemic right now. So that's number one. So what a better year to try looking at this thing. It's just saying, hey, we're going to have eight teams, ten teams are going to make it into at you know at large. We'll have them playing, you know. I think it was the year to do it. And for the, the real frustration of that thing that you're, you and I both talked to that uh, McMurphy wrote about was they had even talked about it, that they even discussed it. There was even a thought that they could do it. That's the frustration that I have. Like, let's just throw it out there for public consumption. Maybe the other 30 bowl games say, hey, we're, 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 we can't do this. We, we don't have the money. We don't have the finances. We can't bring these teams in. We can't house them. We can't do it. So we're good. We're out. And this is the year that they just figured out they already got the four bowl games. They could find two more bowl games and knock out you know four more you know teams and and have it done i i just it's just frustrating to me that they weren't even willing to look at this whole deal i think that always you know the 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 number one i think we all know that's where it really needs to go to is eight teams at least and this was the year to try it and look at it and a team like uh, dory said is deserving like a, a cincinnati that's done some great stuff um, a really good florida team um you know what happens if they go to the sec championship and florida beats alabama now we got alabama and florida are they in and one of the acc teams that i mean it's just weird how this this whole thing could really really play out but at the end of the day this was of all the years this was the year to do it with you i'm a thousand percent with your will on it and i just I just feel like we missed an opportunity to do it because, again, I just don't know how these bowl games are even going to happen. Even even if you, as Dan says, you don't even have a winning record to go play in a bowl game. So well, that's that, my two cents. But, but the fact that these bowl games may not happen is exactly why they weren't going to introduce a new playoff system, an additional extended playoff system. It's because they're the, the, the bowl games that are out there may or may not happen. It's because of COVID that I think doing it during this season, unless they're going to put everybody in the same location and have their own little bubble. They, they, little they could have done it like the NFL okay. does. Whoever so, has the higher ranking would be the home team. And let, let's say, let's say it was UW just for, you know, for argument's sake, they had the higher seed. The team will come into Washington. They will sponsor it. There's no fans, so it doesn't matter that you don't sell out the Rose Bowl. You put the, the you put the name of the game on it, and you put it all splatter it all over the damn field, and get all the sponsors. And you do it like the way the NFL would do it. Until you get to the Super Bowl, the the higher seeded team has the home game, and that's the way they could have done this. It would have just added one more game to their schedule. I, I absolutely understand that. But here's how sponsorship works in the bowl games, okay? And that is, I, I think that you have a great idea. Then, then if that's the way it needs to happen, then the sponsorship people need to be willing to relocate if they need to relocate. And, 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 it, and we already know people, it comes down to money. It comes down to money. And I, I, wish, I wish that they would do all the bowl games it also comes down to the affiliations with conferences and bowl games. 
yes, they made a little bit of a, a, a scratch, little bit. They scratched into it a little bit by rotating the bowl games that are in the the uh, the, the, the the playoff and then the championship. Okay, they ro- they rotate that sort of. Arizona always ends up with two. Oh, it always feels like Arizona ends up with two, right? So I, I don't know. I'm not against it. I just don't know that this year with how crazy things are would have been the year to implement it. I think that still the conference championships are still going to go the way you said, Will, and that was the team from the two conferences that play each other for the conference championship, the team that has the winning, the strongest record is the one that will host it, which I think for the Pac-12, they need to keep that one. That's the way it should have been to start with. Yeah, yep, it, it, go, go ahead. Go ahead, Scott. I'm sorry. Go ahead. Well, I, I agree with what Dory's saying there, and I also think that, you know, kind of going back to what you were saying, Will, too, about the staying in stadium. I mean, look at look at last Thursday. We had uh, Century Lake Field at noon and Lumen Field by 7 yeah. when we were playing the Thursday night Seahawks game. So I think they can, they can make this thing happen if they want to make it happen, the sponsorships and things like that. And this was the year to try it, and this was the year to look at it. And, you know, at the end of the day, they may have found themselves a, a huge nugget. I mean, we both know the bottom line. You kick it to 18s. It's just more money. It's just, it's just more more money. money. And it's just, and all it is is one more game. You're going from four games to two games to one. Yep. And maybe this year is what prompts them to get it ready for next year. No, man. If they, if they didn't do it this year, they're not doing it next year, man. I have no faith at all in the people in charge making decisions. If they can't even figure out what to do and what's the right thing to do during a pandemic and every conference is beating to their own drum and the Pac-12 is like, you know what? Maybe we'll do non-conference games if they follow protocols. And, oh, maybe we should have tried this. Well, you had two months to figure it out. And you expect them to make a decision about college football playoffs when this was the year that you could have just thrown crap on the wall to see if it stick. And if it didn't, it wasn't a big deal. I've lost my faith in them. I agree. And how about within a conference, they still can't decide. That's what happened yesterday with Clemson and Florida State. And both teams were throwing the other team under the bus. That got good. That got really good. It's it's leadership. It's kind of like just being a parent or being a teacher or being a coach. If you're not leading the way, then the kids just run around in circles, you know, uh, putting mud in each other's ears. And 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 that's just what it is. But the Clemson AD was the one that came out and tweeted first. Like, if we're looking at this thing, I thought he's got faster fingers. You need you need to grow up, put your big boy pants on, and. And, and it turned out to be a Clemson player test that was in dispute. So anyway, the whole thing was. All right, let's change, let's change the, the subject to something that Dory let's loves. Go. The Huskies beat up on Arizona. We were talking about it last week. We said, man, if Washington comes out and plays the way they did, they're going to have a hard time because Arizona just just barely lost to USC. They're out there. They're looking good. They're playing good. They're explosive, blah, 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 blah. Washington said, hold on a second. And that was that. I mean, Dory, Scott, uh, thoughts on yesterday and just really, I mean, First three quarters, thirty-seven zip. Let's go home, pack it up. We we got to go. We we're going to, uh, you know, to the pizza shop. We're getting a calzone, um, uh, you know, you know, hot marinara sauce. It's time to go. We didn't even have to stay for the fourth quarter. What a whooping last night! Well, an absolute. Uh, it started with the press conference early in the week when Coach Lake came out and wore a hat that said, run the damn ball. I sent them that hat. But I love, you get, thank you, Will. But here's (laughs) what I really love. This game, the leading into this game, the week leading into it, the press conferences, the coaches show, everything that was going on out there, this is a coach that knows how to play the game. I don't mean the one on Saturday. I mean leading up to it. Because their first three plays, two of them were passing plays. When they did that, I was like, okay, coach is playing the game. And number two, stop. Like, just, 
did he really give that the reins back to the offensive coordinator? And those were the first three. Those are the scripted plays. But it did turn out to be extremely just like I love I love the fact that Washington is using their tight ends, especially Kate Otten, in the passing game and in the running game. Uh, the running game got on fire. Newton had 81 yards for two touchdowns. Uh, one, man, Arizona, Arizona has a hard time tackling, but they also have a real hard time chasing. So uh, it was good. It was awesome. The Huskies had 234 yards of rushing yesterday, 234 rushing. Otten had 100 yards himself on receiving and a touchdown score. But the bigger piece was shut down defense. I mean, at every position, they got after Gunnell and that offensive line and, and should and absolutely should. Arizona went 0 for 9 on third downs. 0 for 9. 0 for. Like, that doesn't look good for anybody, but it really absolutely put, got Arizona so frustrated. Absolutely got them so frustrated. So it was exciting. It was just absolutely exciting. Because Arizona put up 444 yards the week before, people. 444 yards. Grant Gunnell had... 30 yards passing at halftime. 30. 33. Oh. It was absolutely fantastic. Um, yeah, I've got some other highlights that watching you guys, you, you know, chime in. Yeah. <laughs> well, I, I, I would say, you know, um, from the coaching perspective, I would say, you know, your week two from your week one is always uh, usually vastly improved. And boy, do they improve vastly. I mean, just totally different team confidence wise, passing game, uh, catching the balls, doing what they needed to do. The Nakua run, longest run from, I think, like 10 years, uh, longest pass completion run in 10 years. Um, I felt like their uh, special teams got organized and were much, much better. The long snapper wasn't uh, losing his mind anymore. Yeah. Um, so, so that part was great. They, I think that they um, just did, did everything they did really, really well. The offense, uh, defensively, the, you know, I can't say half those kids' names that are on the defensive line, but the two, you know, two weeks in a row is, is pretty, pretty amazing. Um, you know, so uh, Coach Kikes has got that crew rolling, and uh, they, they just was impressive all the way around. And you know, going into the game, I was nervous about Nobazoni and his offense, and you know, guys running down the sidelines and just craziness what they were doing to USC and uh, with USC's athletes. So um, t- t- uh, hats off to the Washington team. I think that's the team that you know Jimmy knew he had. Uh, just didn't come out the first week, uh, you know, and now, uh, you know, came out the second week and showed great improvement. And uh, hopefully uh, this week we'll get another game, uh, which we'll, I'm sure we're going to talk about a little bit down the road here. But, uh, you know, uh, it just continuing to build what they're doing. And uh, uh, just, again, I think a lot of it just, you know, new staff, new everything. And uh, they put it all together in week two, which was great to see. Well, special teams was uh, against Oregon State absolutely a disaster we already know that so in the first series washington has to punt and we're still deep in our own territory and i'm thinking omg good god put them on friday here we go again washington has fourth and short deep in their own territory and fake punt snap to the up back number 43 jackson sermon the name should sound familiar, people. He is the son of former UW linebacker coach and current D coordinator at Cal, Peter Sermon. So that's Peter Sermon's kid. Um, and there's a Walla Walla connection. The Sermons are from Walla Walla. Uh, they grew up two blocks down from us. And um, anyway, so that was super cool to see Jackson. When Jackson was little, Peter was coaching with Blaine at Central. So, uh, Anyway, it was awesome. It was fantastic. I wasn't super excited about more trick plays in the special teams. Uh, You don't have to show it all at once, people. Don't open the whole book. One page would have been good. So on on the go for two, please, please, you have one punter. 
Why did we do that? So anyway, I'd have kept that one. I think it's a great play. I think it's a great play. But you, you didn't need to show all of it in one game. The fake punt was good. That'll set them up. That'll get people wondering, get other teams wondering what we're going to do on special teams when it's fourth and short. And it'll make people wonder, I guess, what we do if we when we go for two. So that was cool. Uh, Dylan Morrison had a great game. Or excuse me, Morris. Dylan Morris had a great game. And uh, people are excited. He was excited. And I, I think as, as you guys, as we said earlier, they worked with him this week. He was definitely the starter going in. I also think that when you go into your first game and aren't really sure who your starter is, it makes a difference on how efficient you are when you come out on the field. Well, there was no doubt about who the starter was this year, this week. Dylan Morris. Good work, young man. Good work. This was the team. This is a Husky team that I would pay to watch and pay to go see. Without question. And the defense. OMG. Looking like a defense that the Huskies are known for. Looking like a defense the Huskies are known for. So, um, yep, I'm excited. I love the way uh, Morris looked this week. Um, He looks like he had been coached up. I mean, and listen, not to not to take anything away from first week. The weather was really bad, right? I mean, we could see it on our TV screen. It, it was a difficult weather um, for, for the freshman to come out and, and play some ball. But he looked like he was coached up a little bit this week. He made some nice throws. And uh, something that we made a reference to with Penn State, right? When you run the ball almost two to one, your, your run pass uh, distribution, It's uh, they ran the ball in the last... The, the first two weeks, 96 times, uh, and passed it uh, 40, uh, I'm sorry, 50 times. When you do that, you take mm-hmm. a lot of pressure off of these guys. And something that we talked, like I said, we talked about with Penn State, where Penn State is not getting any help uh, from the run game. So I thought that was just uh, just nicely done. Forget about the final score. The final score was 44 to 27. Um, Arizona yeah. scored there 27 in the fourth quarter and, and gives them, the coaching, coaching staff, things to work on. I know they had um, a lot of substitutions in and so on and so forth. But um, just all around great game. Love the way they started out. And um, leading into Thanksgiving, where everyone's kind of getting ready for this Apple Cup, this, uh, this Apple Cup is uh, now in doubt. Uh, Dory, um, what, you know, what, what are your thoughts on the fact that um, they may not play uh, this week, this Friday, because of COVID-19 and contact trace and everything else? And, um, you know, what, what are your thoughts? Because I know that's a big game for you. Well, it's it's a big game for for everybody in the state, right? Uh, a huge rivalry game, and I, I'm concerned about the way the Pac-12. I know that they say, well, uh, what, what's going to happen if this game gets canceled? If they can't play this game, right? They can't play the game. I've not seen anywhere, and maybe I missed a. a a blurb somewhere in the in the newspaper or on the media that it will be rescheduled. I've not seen anything about it being rescheduled. So my biggest concern is that it then eliminates one more game for my dogs because they didn't play Cal and aren't going to play them. Then you're not playing Wazoo if if the COVID situation continues or doesn't get set up, it doesn't become satisfactory, right, with all the negative tests that they have to have and confirm to have 53 scholarship players eligible to play on the, to get on, to get in the game, right, to make the game. So I'm concerned. I'm really concerned. Obviously, for the players that have COVID and the coaches and all of that, that goes without saying. We have a killer dog in the house. Yeah. yeah. Yes. Yes. Dogs, yeah, yeah. Yeah. We're talking about the dogs, and there's a dog, Scott. Uh, what What are your thoughts? And if they don't play, uh, there's been rumors that they might try to line something up with BYU. I have no idea about the details. It's just something that's been popping up uh, in different places. So, what are your thoughts? First off, if they don't play, and second of all, uh, is um, scheduling uh, BYU is that something realistic? And what are your thoughts on that? Well, um, number one, I, I um, with Dory uh, the I'm, I, the two things that 
concern me. Number one, the threshold of 53 players. And number two is the uh, 14-day protocol. So I don't, I don't see how that's going to happen. If it's 14 days, they're, they're definitely going to be in, in this window. But they're being on Friday. Now, if they kick it to Saturday, does that mean that they, that's the 14th day? I'm not sure. Um, that's number one. Uh, BYU would be, I think, a stretch. It sounds like maybe even Utah has been talked about maybe coming up here to play in this game. So, Well, Utah again, has a game I, scheduled already unless well, that, unless something happened with that game. Go ahead. Yeah, they, they, they've talked maybe that that game might be there might be an issue there too. All I'm saying is, um, you know, uh, I, 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 there, we, we all know that Pac-12 gave themselves no place, no place to, you know, change things, do things very much. And that it's, it's really a tight window. Uh, but again, the, the 14 days, but I, I would like to see, to be honest with you, is, is like they have to make a decision like tomorrow, I think the earliest. I mean, I think I, it's really unfair for Cal and UCLA to play each other within 48 hours of each other on a Sunday morning um, to, to make it a good quality game. Um, I just think that that's this. I mean, both teams have to go through the same thing, but I just think to put a better product out there to put what you want, and then that's what you have to do. Or you come out immediately and say, we won't play till Sunday. And everybody, you know, that's what we're going to do because that'll be the 14th day and, and Wazoo will have enough players because that changes everything, how you travel, how you get there, when you get there, how you practice. Uh, so I'd like to see this decision made as soon as possible and what they're going to do. And then they're going to make an adjustment to what Dory's saying is getting another game on the schedule and getting somebody to, you know, come in here and, and play. So, or excuse me, well, we'd be here, we'd play, but, uh, if, you know, if, if Wazoo can't go. So that is a big concern. That that would be interesting if they kicked it off. Uh, Dory, as a fan, I know you you're used to having these games played on that Friday after Thanksgiving. Uh, as a fan, you know, even though it kicks it a couple days down the road, um, you you know, completely fine with the fact that they get this game in and play it on a Saturday or Sunday and get this Apple Cup and get this game in for these two teams. Oh, I think absolutely. I mean, if you can play it, you should play it. And if that means instead of Friday, because just so you know, it's not always been on a Friday. Not always has it been on a Friday. There were years it was on a Saturday, and then they started changing it based on where the game was going to be located. And now it's just always on a Friday, but it wasn't always on Friday. Number two, if they need to play it on Saturday or Sunday, trust me, the broadcasting team, the, 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 uh, the networks, they will flex. They will make it work if we can get the game. But I think that with the uh, the testing, I mean, like we saw with Clemson and Florida State, right? The testing goes all the way up to results the day, the day, the night before. The night before. You go in projecting to play the game. But those teams uh, did that bit, but neither one of those teams had been in a situation where they didn't play the week before. So this is different. We have a team that didn't play the week before and waiting on WSU to get the, get new results and, and follow the protocols for COVID and for testing. So I'm thinking, you know what? We want to play on a Sunday. Shoot. Let's play it Sunday. All right, Dory. Um, as we uh, we're gonna wrap it up soon, uh, let's get to you. Where's my uh, dogs at this week? Who's your dog this week? Woof, woof. Who's your dog this week? Where my dogs at? <laughs> here we go. We're going into the wayback machine and uh, to a husky who was a captain on the nineteen seventy eight Rose Bowl team. He was also a captain on the 1974 state champion high school, Ellensburg High School football team. Played for the short dog. His name's Scott Greenwood. Scott Greenwood was the epitome of a student athlete. Um, Stories about Scott Greenwood. He was the quietest guy on the team. And he was also the one, he was also absolutely the go-to guy on the team of all the players on that 78 Rose Bowl team and all the players on the Ellensburg High School football team that won the state championship and went undefeated, beating Stanwood. So Scott Greenwood, uh, after graduating, uh, ended up 
in construction management and became a vice president of selling construction. When Scott was down at the uh, Rose Bowl one year, as a not a, not as a participant, but going back there, uh, he was down in UCLA at UCLA at the Rose Bowl and wasn't feeling well and went in and got tested and um, at the age of 35 was diagnosed with cancer. And 11 months later, Scott Greenwood passed away. Um, the family, we knew the family really well growing up in Ellensburg. Uh, his, his dad had, had been in the military and retired and decided to move to Ellensburg and, and teach at Central. Uh, Scott had a younger brother, an older sister. No, everybody was younger. Had four siblings. And the matriarch of the family was Nancy Greenwood. And Nancy was grace as you could ever imagine. An amazing woman. So Scott Greenwood, um, once he passed, there is a scholarship as now at the University of Washington that the family decided they wanted to they, they wanted to be able to give back to, to the University of Washington. It's where Scott met his wife. Their wedding was fantastic and amazing. And he has two children. One, uh, one of his kids, his daughter, works at Fred Hutch as a, as a research, as a researcher um, at Fred Hutch. So our, our Where's My Dogs At? Uh, Scott Greenwood, when he was in high school and in college, came and worked at the All Northwest football camp, um, was, was everybody's favorite, had a little bit of a Southern drawl because they were located down in the South when his dad was in the military. And the scholarship is given to, uh, the, at the University of Washington, the Scott Greenwood Scholarship is a postgraduate scholarship and is presented annually to an outstanding Husky athlete who excels in athletics, academics, and community service. That's our Where's My Dog's At for this year, for this, for this uh, episode. That's Dory's Where's My Dog's At as we look back at past uh, Washington Huskies. Um, Scott had to go. Um, something came up. Um, so we uh, wish uh, Scott and his family um, the very best. Uh, something came up abruptly. So um, just want to throw that out there. And I think we'll wrap up the show at this point. Uh, Dory, uh, we're going to find out another day or two about the Apple Cup. Uh, on Tuesday, we're going to find out from the playoff committee who are the four teams and, and start to see a path uh, to the playoffs, whether there's one or not. So there's a lot of things that are happening this week that should make um, week 13 and going forward uh, very interesting in the college football landscape. Um, last thoughts uh, from you, Dory, as we uh, say adios. Well, uh, it is, we are coming into Thanksgiving and um, I'm thankful for my amazing family as uh, we are all following the guidelines of COVID this Thanksgiving and, and, and not getting together as, as our family usually does. So, um, but we will, but we are all trying to keep the traditions going and uh, with what we have, and that is, above all, we have our family, we all have our health, and everybody has a J-O-B. So, very grateful, very thankful. Well said, Dory. I, I do concur with you and want to wish everyone out there a happy Thanksgiving. And, um, you know, whether you're close or far, you know, it, it doesn't matter as long as they're in your heart and you get a chance to speak to them and they're still around. Uh, everyone making good decisions during these difficult times and, and staying uh, safe and doing what you need to do to protect not so much yourself, but the person around you. Um, for uh, Scott Ligo and Dory Bennett, I'm Will Sanchez. And uh, thanks for listening to NYC. We're out.